Kenny Jang here for another installment here. We've got a special treat today. Sean Lovejoy is with us. Thank you so much for being with us today, Sean. Hey, it's an honor, man. Hey, Thanks so for having we, me. I mean, I think uh, we've been talking about this in the pre-interview chat, but um, everyone has come across your name. I think that you've been a veteran of the industry and worn so many different hats. Um, and I think it's a pleasure to talk to you today because um, drawing on that wisdom and experience and seeing how church um, the whole landscape has changed and morphed and evolved over the years. I think you have a pr very um, unique perspective um, to the table, um, especially from a church planting background, from a pastoral, actual practitioner background, and actually as a coach. Um, so why don't you just give some people here today um, uh, the 60-second elevator pitch of um, your experience and what you're doing today with Courage to Lead. Well, first of all, you called me a veteran, which is basically calling me old, and I will try not to be offended by that. <laughs> so, but I, you know, I love you. So, so, uh, but it, I do have some experience, and if anything, I have been around and in ministry longer than a lot these days, and I've coached hundreds of pastors and ministry leaders. So, there's just a common thread that I see over time, and it keeps me awake at night. You know, I, I started a church, grew a mega church, have the scars to prove it, started coaching pastors through that ministry called churchplanners.com. You and I have talked about that. Yes. Then two years ago, handed the baton of my church off to coach leaders full time. I mean, it's a wiring and gifting. It's a calling on my life. I was a good player. I'm a better coach, Kenny. That's the bottom line. And so, I, you know, I love what I'm doing. I was made for this, but it's not just about me. I mean, we've scaled the ministry. A big tenet and passion of courage to lead.com is that we scaled the ministry so a church of any size can get one-on-one -on -one coaching. There's there are lots of ministries out there that are doing consulting and coaching. M much of that, let's be honest, in large group settings is content delivery. And you can download content anywhere, but you still need a place to talk through the specific tensions in your context that keep you awake at night and that's what we try to provide yeah let's talk just about let's let's just uh, sit on that for a little second because i think there is a big confusion out there what consulting versus coaching is versus what education is in terms of webinars etc um your vision for coaching is very specific um and even the parameters as to the participants and the dynamic of that relationship can you share a little bit about that because i love how you um, see that happening for the pastor uh, that is involved and needs that type of support. Yeah, so we rare. I mean, I'm, I, I availed my church to this. We worked our church through various consultants and processes, and you know, our church was always better for it. Downloaded content, but there still needs to be this. I had coaches and mentors in my life. That's the nearest mentor, nearest analogy is that of a mentor that I could specifically walk through personalized tensions that I feel. And it saved my life. It saved my ministry. I can't wait for every one of those um, conversations inspired. And frankly, it was more practical. I think especially as your church grows larger, conferences and content delivery is very limited in its effectiveness. Yeah. I need specific help for my context where I'm at and the church level and life station we're in today. That's what we try to provide. Now, you know, so, some people go to in, the works through the process. A coach walks along with the player. That's yeah. what we try to do. Now, how does that differ? The one-on-one -on -one experience from the there's these group coaching models that are popping up everywhere at this point. Uh, you see that in the secular marketplace. It's coming into the nonprofit and church space. Um, in terms of relative effectiveness, I think there's a place for everything. But in terms of relative effectiveness, what, how do you measure that? 
I participated personally, you know, in several coaching networks, and I think they provide networking opportunities. You know, the friends you make in those situations are powerful. You know, the churches that you learn from, you know, that lead those or the ministries do, their experience, their backgrounds, I, I think so valuable, the content you receive from that. Right. But I just don't have the time, nor do they, in a group coaching and I've led group coaching networks, nor do I have the time to really buckle down with one person and me help you deal with your worship leader. It's always a worship leader, Kenny. I'm going to tell you right now. It's always a worship leader. I'm just kidding. Uh, so, so, you know, it, it's able, you know, we don't do anything less than six months. It's one-on-one. Right. Every coach gives their cell phone number to the, their client during that time. We're basically on call. How often, how often is the meetings? The we official sit down meetings. every month, either live in person or we, you know, of course, utilize technology such as this to sit down. And that proximity and consistency, you know, over time builds a relationship. It eliminates what I call the BS factor. Can I say that on your um, <laughs> yeah. podcast? You know, so that we get beneath the skin, we get real with each other. Sometimes I'll stop a ministry later and say, stop selling me on your church. I'm not right. going to join. If it was that good, you wouldn't need me. So let's get real with each other and let's talk about, you know, what's up under the hood. And time and consistency, you know, does that. And what, what's gratifying to me as a coach is over six, nine, 12 months, you know, sometimes people stay with us. We're able to actually see fruit. We're able to actually make a difference, a marked difference on a ministry in a church. And that's what we love to do. Now, there's a lot of people that are listening to this never been in a one-on-one coaching experience. Um, for those people, could you just set it up a little bit? Do you actually hone in on one very specific project? Do you do a theme? What is it? Is it just, I want my church to be healthy and, and vital um, yeah. in terms of spirituality? How, how granular do you get? Well, of course, all this is on our website at curstolead.com, but we talk about the three gears of growth. There's, there's culture, team, and systems. They're three separate but interdependent gears. Love so it. if one's stuck, you're stuck. This is why it doesn't work you know, if you're trying to fix your children's ministry or student ministry, run off to the Orange Conference and grab their curriculum and bring it home. That that alone will not grow your church, and thousands of churches are learning that. I love the Orange curriculum. But if you don't have the right culture and you don't have the right leaders in place, no curriculum. So, so we, look, we, we overturn every rock, if you will. Culture is self-leadership. It's, it's my own personal health and leadership style. Is that toxic? Is that healthy? What's, what's there? Because you have to be the culture you want to build. That's vision. That's values. Then, of course, the team. Do we have the right leaders in the right seats on the bus for the right life station of the ministry? Because that's constantly changing. Yeah. It needs to be constantly assessed. And then systems. And my definition of a system is just it's a bridge that moves people and things from where they are to where God wants them to be. And every church is perfectly structured for the results they're getting now. Yep. So we, we've got to help them rethink their systems and structure for growth. So in a six-month process, we start we have them assess where they are, attack the weakest gear first, the mm. greatest tension point first, That's and smart. then through the six months try to work all the way around. Gotcha. Now, um, and I get this with some new uh, coaching clients that have never had that experience before. They, they're looking for justification and rationalization to – really rationalize this expenditure on this resource, right? And it's kind of like you, you get what you pay for, right? It's, it is an intensive resource. Um, what can they expect out of six months? Like that's tangible that they can communicate to the other leadership, you know, the C-suite, the leadership of their church when they're trying to engage with coaching for themselves. Well, I tell leaders all the time, whatever you do, don't, you know, 
come down from the holy mountain of God with, with your face glowing and say, God told me. And so this is where we're going. You know, th- I call that pulling the God card. Who can argue with that when you say God told me, you know, and oftentimes it's something we ate if we're honest. So, or it's testosterone or, or estrogen or whatever. So, so there is power. Proverbs says success is found in many counselors. Yeah. So coaching to me provides two things. One, sometimes it provides permission. I have found if a, if a guy or gal is a pretty intuitive leader, like they have a feeling, a sensing of the Holy Spirit, like what needs to be done. They're just afraid. They're paralyzed by fear and afraid to pull the trigger. And sometimes it's just great to hear someone else say, who's been where you need to go, say, no, you're right. You're not crazy for thinking that. They need permission. But then sometimes, you know, there's outside perspective. And what those coaching conversations become as much as anything else over time is a reference point that gives a leader permission and perspective. And I know I have more confidence as a leader going forward because I've been given permission and I've been given perspective. Thus, the name of our ministry, Courage to Lead. And that's so many times we need, if we have permission and we have outside perspective, we can be much more confident and courageous in our decisions as much as anything else versus fixing something mechanical in the church. You know, it's much broader, you know, than that. It's a way of living. It's a way of thinking. It's a paradigm in which you live your life and you speak and you lead, you know, in your ministry. Gotcha. And so people that are really considering, uh, they might have some very specific challenges that they're up against or they're banging their head against the wall because there's a recurring theme in their workplace that they just keep on being challenged by certain things. Um, can you help people understand what's the best way to discern who the right coach is how do you find because there's many people out there that claim to be they're the solution one-stop shop for everything um how do you discern what a good match is between a coach and a coachee i'm glad you asked that to me it's like making a hire i mean any other hire i mean it's it's chemistry it's fit it's personality you know it's all that it's character you know is this someone you trust you know whatever Uh, capacity you know has this person done what they're doing. I mean, you know this in ministry world, you and I have been practitioners and actually done what we're consulting and coaching people to do. There are those out there who've never done it. Exactly. And are trying to tell people how to do it. And, you know, I, I, I purposely, all of my coaches, I'm not hiring full-time consultants and coaches. They are all practitioners who lead effective ministries that I've invested into and coach. And it will always be that. Right, right. So we're never going to tell someone to do that we something to do that we haven't done. You know? Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, for especially my personal experience, it's that being a practitioner and a consultant together. Um, my own ministry or the actual practitioner part of my life is I usually say they're my rules. I make them up. I am able to build my own case studies. That's my innovation lab to be able to take best practices and, and then transfer it over to teaching, right? I think that's the one of the best case scenarios when you can find someone with that type of experience. I totally agree with that. And then it has to do with, you know, sometimes it's not right or wrong. And I, I tell friends who are in the consulting and coaching ministry all the time, we are not competitors. We are collaborators. Because even if you choose me today, you're going to be with me six months, 12 months, 18 months at the max. And then I'm going to tell you everything I know. <laughs> Probably, probably before that. Then I, I, my last coach, my conversation with you is going to be, who's going to be your coach now? Right. Who can I, because I pray you don't drop off the face of the planet. Greatest mistake ministry leaders make is isolation. And so 
if they're doing their job right, the best leaders I talk to, they're like, hey, I just, we've been through this, we've been with this consultant, we've been with this coach, we've been with this coach. I'm like, fantastic. You are a learner. You're the type of person I want to invest in. So coaches and consultants to me are collaborators, not competitors. So then it comes down to right now what I'm facing, who's the best for me? I love right that. Right now, based I love upon that the tensions that I feel, who's the best for me? And that's going to change over time. It, it has with me personally, you know, as I've chosen different mentors and coaches over time. I love it because I think it shows a self-awareness of that as a consultant or as a coach specifically, you have a sweet spot. And that's where you're called to provide impact to a certain ministry and that you are collaborators of the kingdom. I just love that notion that you're putting forth there. I wish that more people actually adopted that. Well, I'm always challenging my friends to think that way. <laughs> so maybe you and I, we can make a difference. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Courage to Lead specifically. Um, when should someone pick up the phone and call you and your team here? What are the types of maybe the most popular or the most common areas that people are coming to you for coaching needs? Well, you know this, but I'll, you know, say this for, you know, the, the, the public, um, we've scaled the ministry. You know, it's very, very important to me that we are available 24 seven to small churches and large churches. So we have church planters that I've coached, you know, that are averaging 500 people after three or four years. They have a lot to say to a guy who's not even planted yet. Mm you know, and can coach them at a very, very reasonable rate, one-on-one, contextualized, weekly, monthly coaching. So the little guys win, you know, with courage to lead. We're not too big to coach the little guy. Um, 50% of churches in America average under 100 people in attendance. Mm. And it's really a important passion of mine not to forget the little guys. Uh, It's important to that. In fact, if you run 100, you're not a little guy. It's the average size church in America, regardless of what Twitter says. You know, but then we have you know, we have guys that are in mega, mega ministries that are also coaches of mine. So the ministry scales. So it doesn't matter whether you're the lead guy or sit in another seat on the bus. You know, it doesn't matter where your culture team or system. I've tried to pick a diversity of coaches, you know, that I've coached and poured into for years, mm-hmm. many of them at this point. And I personally try to provide, you know, along with the team, the best fit you know, for each person that comes along. So they drop us a line. They tell us, you know, the size of their ministry, the scope of their ministry, the specific tensions of their face. We schedule a call, an initial call, where we just talk through with them and we try to assess the best fit. And, of course, they can change coaches at any time. Right. But in in two years of doing this now, I've not had one person say, I don't like my coach, I want to change. I mean, they're, honestly, their reviews have been great. We've been able to pair people with great leaders. They're all great coaches and you know, I pray we're making pastors and ministry leaders' lives better for it. Nice, nice. And again, you, your team, and I know, I know this, the answer to this, but uh, you're not focused on a specific denomination or specific format of ministry because you're looking at universal leadership principles, team dynamics, productivity, um, and uh, systems, right? Yeah. It, regardless, I've been doing this for years. You know, Kenny, it, it, it's, it comes down to three things. It doesn't matter. I know everybody thinks, well, our area is different. Our context is different. But from a leadership principle, it comes down to culture, team, or systems. Every church that's growing or not growing, I'm not taking the Holy Spirit out of it because the Holy Spirit creates a vibrant culture. You know, they called it koinonia in the book of Acts. So, I mean, I got the idea for this out of this cool book called the Bible. 
you know, so the Holy Spirit is part of building, you know, that culture, whether or not you live with a, an urgency or not, you know, day to day, week in, week out, you know, whether or not you're putting people into small groups, the systems piece, all that's in the Bible. It's right there. You know, should, we shouldn't overcomplicate it. It's three things. And so we attack it, help them identify, assess themselves, attack the weakest gear first. I love it. I, I love that framework of thinking about your ministry and culture, teams, and systems. Um, well, thank you so much for stopping by and sharing that wisdom with us. I really hope that some of the people here are ready to take that step into their first coaching relationship, just because I know from personal experience on both sides, the coachee and being the coach, that it is such a life-serving relationship if you can find a dynamic coach to help you on your journey. So um, thank you for everything you're doing with Courage to Lead, Sean. Well, thank you, man. Thanks for your relationship. Thanks for what you do because you're a genius. And I wish I had Princeton somewhere in my bio <laughs> like you do. Uh, if I could just say that, I just like enjoying that, saying that name out loud. That's the closest I'll get to Princeton. And you're a genius at what you do. So thanks for thanks for staying in the ministry landscape and making a difference for the kingdom. Definitely. Thanks for, thanks for hanging out. Until um, next time, appreciate everybody. Drop your comments below and we'll even uh, bring on Sean again, I'm sure, next time. Uh, once in a, in a blue moon, we'll have him on to even ask some questions. I think one of the things that we've heard from you um, out there is that you want questions to be answered for some of these leaders that seem to be um, really experts in the fields. And I, I'm, I'm sure Sean would be uh, game for that, too. So drop your comments and your questions, and we'll schedule a follow-up call with Sean. Thanks so much for uh, being with us, Sean. Thanks. Thanks.